two brothers use peewee football to settle their differences in their small town in, you guessed it, Ohio. This is Little Giant. Video Store Wasteland. Hello and welcome back to Video Store Wasteland. I am your host, Brian, and uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be an episode on the 1994 film, Little Giants. Uh, now, I, I, I do regret to inform everybody who's listening to this, but football season is over. I know. Oh. I know we're all sad. I, I especially. Uh, but hey, you know, uh, let's just take this opportunity one more time to congratulate the Los Angeles Rams on their magnificent win in the Super Bowl over the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's go Rams! And uh, I guess that's part of the reason why I chose this movie because I guess it would have been cool if I did this before the Super Bowl. But hey, you know, I just remember it existed after the Super Bowl. Uh, cause, uh, you know, it, it's, I think it's just one of those movies that gets sort of lost in the mire of, uh, I guess what you would call kids movies that are based off of sports. Uh, cause you know, there's, there's stuff like Sandlot, there is Angels in the Outfield, which is one that I, I truly enjoyed growing up. There is what well, Bend It Like Beckham's one. Well, that's more of a 2000 movie. I'm talking more 90s stuff. This is where this falls under, you know, stuff that uh, I guess we would say millennials, us, uh, we grew up in, which would be that, uh, you know, stuff like this. See, for me, I watched this movie on uh, sort of what UPN. So if everybody in the Los Angeles area remembers that channel, Channel 13 UPN or Channel 5, well, I forget what it was before the CW. I think it was just KTLA. Anyway, yeah, so like stuff like this, Angels in the Outfield, Rookie rookie of the Year, Big Little, or Little Big League, The Mighty Ducks, Sandlot. Those are like all the type of movies that sort of fall under this category of kids' movies that um, are about sports. Uh, so yeah, that's the reason I chose this one. I went out in my way and actually bought it, so, huh. You know, people still do that. They buy movies. Anyway, let's start how we always start here and list off the top 10 grossing films of 1994. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So 1994, we have The Lion King, Forrest Gump, True Lies, The Mask. That's a spicy meatball. Speed. The Flintstones. Dumb and Dumber. Four Weddings and a Funeral, Interview with the Vampire, and Clear and Present Danger. Honestly, I'm trying to remember any of the past. Yeah, There's like five of those I don't know, but hey, Jim Carrey's up there twice. Let's go, Jim Carrey. Um, but, you know, that's more of the highest growing films that year as well. Uh, Steven Spielberg, Schindler's List, won for uh, the best director, or best picture. I mean... Uh, it, it is Schindler's List. I do recommend seeing that if you really want to get depressed about the Holocaust, which is depressing in and of itself. But this is neither here nor there, as this is not a history podcast. Well, this is not a world history podcast. Eventually, it turned into a film history podcast. And watch how the viewership plummets then. Not like it's plummeting now. 
<laughs> anyway, 1994 in film, we're also looking at Pulp Fiction, Natural Born Killers, Clerks. Hey, are any balls down there? About the biggest pair you ever seen, Diggleberry. We have Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Man, this is a year for Jim Carrey. Holy Jesus. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura. Damn, dude. There's also The Crow comes out that year. It's Pat. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, New Nightmare, which is the last of the West Craven Nightmare on Elm Streets, because I don't think you had any sort of capacity other than executive producership on the the remake with Haley, Haley some some. This is the guy who played Rorschach. I, wow, I forget his name. I'm getting old. Uh, we also have stuff like Junior, Ed Wood, but uh, '94 was pretty interesting year. oh tammy and the t-rex you know uh there's a great episode of red letter media and i'll be referencing letter, red letter media throughout the course of this you know pod not this episode but in general this podcast existence because uh you guys just need to go see them go go youtube go watch some red letter media that's right Jake. anyway so that's 1994 as we gained uh sort of a feel for it uh, uh it's that year we're almost like i i firmly believe the 90s were almost the peak of of existence and uh just by seeing what movies came out in 94 this is the fourth year that 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 decade and all these great movies are coming out like definitely definitely a great year for movies um so anyway beyond beyond that beyond my fawning over of 1990s cinema uh let's move on more to the background of this movie in uh our next segment i think it's safe to say that all these fans came out here to watch a game of football uh john we're in commercial yeah i know i'm i'm just making conversation all right so uh cast and crew for this movie we're just gonna slightly glance over it as the kids aren't really the most important part of this movie in terms of who's in it because we have mr rick moranis who is he he's an asshole sir i know that what's his name that is his name sir asshole major asshole and ed o'neill so uh obviously we know rick moranis from the honey i i think it's honey i shrunk the kids and honey i blew up the kid so those movies also ghostbusters part one and two and uh, we know Ed O'Neill from his run as uh, the father figure of Married with Children. Great show. I remember watching that growing up all the time. Even though, you know, sometimes you're not allowed to watch certain TV. You're allowed to watch this because it's family entertainment. Yeah, it's like fart jokes and all over the place, but still family entertainment nonetheless. Uh, so that's really who's in this movie. Um well, no, no, I'm wrong. Also, the mother from uh, the Goonies, the one, uh, the woman who plays Mrs. Walsh from the Goonies, is in this Mary Ellen Trainer. She's, uh, you know, plays Ed O'Neill's Ed O'Neill's wife in this movie. So I guess she kind of gets typecasted as the motherly figure. Although I guess she was also in uh, Lethal Weapon. And the only reason I know this is because I'm reading it right directly off the Wikipedia page. You know, sometimes when you're uh, doing all this you don't know everything and wikipedia fills in the blanks thank you wikipedia anyway uh 
really no one else is in the movie. Well, except for this man. It's uh, the one and the only Harry Scherer. And Harry Potter and all his wizard friends went straight to hell for practicing witchcraft. Yes, stupid sexy Flanders himself is in this movie. He's an announcer, which, you know, it's really hard to find or hard to hide him because uh, this is like the height of The Simpsons, man. Simpsons came out in 89. This is 94. This is like the golden, golden era of The Simpsons. This is the Conan era of The Simpsons. So this is really where it's getting its peak, even though nobody else from that show is involved with this, this movie. Uh, you, I'm even moving on to like the directors and whatnot. The director of this movie, Dwayne, du- uh, Dwayne Dunham. I mean, he was in it. He, 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 before this, he was the editor for Return of the Jedi. So Star Wars episode six for all those who accept the Star Wars Skywalker saga as actual movies. Um, <laughs> But uh, he was the director for most of this, except he didn't finish the last portion of it. And we'll get to it when we talk to the actual discussion of the movie. But uh, he he was replaced later on by Brian Levant, uh, who was <laughs> who is the director of the Flintstones movie '94 and Jingle All the Way, which. Um, I mean, it's a little too early or too late to do a Christmas movie, so we'll have to wait till December to do that one because it's a pretty good one. Uh, And the cinematographer originally for this movie was replaced by Rexford L. Metz, who was the cinematographer for Tron. But the original cinematographer for this movie was Janusz Kaminski, who, uh, if... uh, Well, actually, no no one's heard that episode because... I've uh, not deleted it from from existence. I just deleted it from scheduled uh, publishing. Let's just say, but it, it's uh, he's uh, it's the cinematographer for 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 the terminal, and he's actually the cinematographer Steven Spielberg post Jurassic Park. Uh, so he's been with him since you know Schindler's List and on. So holy crap, the man worked on Schindler's List. And Little Giants in the same two-year span. Isn't that something? Totally two different projects there. That must have been a trip for him to do. Anyway, uh, so that's that's who we're really looking at in terms of cast and crew. Uh, it's not like any of the kids were kids that... Child actors that were in TV at the time. Not that at least I can suss out from there uh imdb pages so there's really nothing else we could say there but yeah ed o'neill and rick moranis so they they play brothers they 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 do pretty excellent job playing against each other i think that's probably the better part of the movie but uh who am i kidding let's 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 actually move on to discussion of the movie uh but before before we get to that why don't we have a uh want to have a word from uh one of our sponsors in the uh, sports betting world. All right, listen up, you delinquents. Want to make some money on some sports, but you've been banned from most large sports book apps, and others have been using bitcoins, which your nephew fully hasn't explained yet? Well, I got the solution for you. It's called Sharker. 
your digital loan shark. Want to make a bet on your friend's engagement? Sharker. Need to spend your rent money on a sure thing because your psychic said so? Sharker. Have to spend your retirement fund and lay down a 13-way parlay where the Mets are the anchor bet? You guessed it. Sharker. Sharker. Because calling it Lone Shark would have been a little too on the nose. All right, uh, so uh, yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting quite a few uh, sponsors up in here, even though they haven't paid me any money, mostly because I've made them up all my own. But I digress. Pay me money anyway. Uh, back to the movie. I guess we should uh, move on a little bit more into. I guess, I guess actual discussion of the movie. Let's go. All right, so uh, right off the top of the bat, this movie is like <laughs> I, this next word might might uh, offend some people, but hella, this is hella '90s like video store vibes from it. Because a not only is it a kids movie, and you know most kids movies just go directly there. I don't, I don't think I remember seeing it in theaters. But then again, I was very young when it came out. Uh, 94. Not going to say what year I was born in because, you know, you don't need to take my identification like that. What are you, the government? Uh, but it really does give off the vibes of a video store movie, mostly because of the fact that that score is such, like, it's not even a Disney score at that point. It's straight up just a kids' movie score. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of one of the things that's kind of working for the movie itself. Not that I'm going to judge it any harshly other than the fact that it is a kid's movie. And I literally have probably not watched this movie in, let's see, I am 28 years old now. And uh, gotta be it been more than 14, 15, no almost 20 years maybe since I've seen this movie. So yeah, I have really zero recollection of this movie except for maybe the football parts and, uh, you know, what, what makes it quote unquote funny and what, what not. But, uh, great grits for what it is. It is good because what it has working for it, like I said before, is that dynamic before between Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis. And they really just, because, you know, they're just seasoned actors. They know what the fuck they're doing. And you don't really have to stop them and ask them to take different direction or anything like that. They know what the hell they're doing. They, they, they came here to play football. Football! Uh, but, you know, it's, movie starts like you would imagine any sort of sports movie, a kid's sports movie to start. And, um, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about it. Uh, that'll be the bonus episode that comes up with this. But uh, the whole movie follows a very, very stereotypical sports movie uh, sort of plot, almost beat by beat, you know, uh, team team down on its luck trying to find its anchor and they find it through the coach, which in this case, Rick Moranis. And then, you know, they'll go through a series of unfortunate events, training with lack 
of equipment, uh, lack of education even because these guys don't know how to play football. Uh, at the beginning, Rick Moranis is shown to be the kid who's enough, never gets chosen for football. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes sense of the fact that his team is the bunch of rejects. Uh, but at, at that point, again, it's mirroring his his past and his brother's team is mirroring, you know, his brother's past at once successful, was not in terms of sports because uh, they both end up coming back to the hometown. So who really is successful? Uh, uh, but not, that's neither here nor there. Um, it's very, very much so like, um, so the thing I wanted to bring up was that there's several like South Park episodes that get very deconstructionist about the sports film genre. And I'll go ahead and just record something about that list a couple episodes um, in those you know, in a bonus episode track, will which I'll drop later. But this movie follows that. If you if you listen to that that episode, and you know, get what what deconstructionism is, you would know almost exactly what I mean by this movie follows, like point by point, what should happen in a sports movie, even though it's with little kids. And yes, they do try to do uh, B plot, C plot, and all that in terms of family relationships and family dynamics. And, and um, it does it to a certain extent because of the Rick Moranis character. Him and his daughter are sort of just, that's the family unit there because the mother went off and ran away. Um, as the daughter explains in, in the movie, she went off and found a better team or whatever that hurts oh yeah it hurts but at that point it's just proving more into this family dynamics almost gender roles in that case and again uh this is the podcast where we do read too much into stupid movies so uh you know is this movie concerning gender roles not really because it is 1994 and for the fact that they're not pointing it in your face every five seconds means that it's not really about that. What position have you got for me? That's right. A girl wants to play football. How about that? Well, that's super duper, Lisa. In fact, we already have four girls on the team. You do? Uh-huh. But we'd love to have you on board. Well... But it's cool. You know, the fact that uh, the daughter is the, the best football player in, or Rick Morantis' daughter is the best football player in the goddamn, you know, city. Uh, and she's the one who, like, is the anchor of the Little Giants team, which, you know, funny thing for my football fans out there, the two teams are the Cowboys and the Giants, and it's the 90s, so this is the fucking pinnacle of Cowboys football. And dear Cowboys fans, go cry about it more. Go Rams. Um... <laughs> and I swear if I get a bunch of you cowboy fans in my fucking comments I'm going to treasure every last second of that because you guys are are the most pristine with hate it's you and 49er fans y'all really living in the past even more so than the film industry oh topical bring it back over to film <laughs> um but yeah you know it's it's really just it's a generic movie, like in terms of what the plot is. 
So don't don't go into this expecting it to be anything big. It is a kids movie again. Again, I have to remind myself several times because it's not like I'm reviewing another kids movie called Shrek. Somebody. All right, that's enough of that. Um. Really, 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 what uh, I guess you could say the heart of this movie is is just wanting to be there and being there for. Uh, being present, I guess, more so. Because uh, one, one team is about winning and winning only. The other team is about having fun. So, well, I spiked on that one. So you tell me. Honestly, I'd rather play for the Little Giants uh, just because, hey, one's having fun and one's really just trying to win, even though majority of those kids will never see the light of high school football. Um so the movie in terms of characters, it really follows just the stereotypical charactering of like a kid's movie. So you have your nerdy kid, your fat kid, your your scrawny small kid. And then, of course, you know, the, the girl who wants to play sports. And really that is in every single one of these like kids sports movies, mostly because you like these type of movies are really where you could go and pinpoint that nothing is original. Everything's the same because it is very prevalent in every single movie we'll ever see. Um, so that, that's just what that is. Really the last part of the movie is that football game. And I'm just going to say this right now. The movie is a, not a hundred. It is an hour and 45 minutes long. It feels like that. And it really like, it shouldn't, feel like that let's just for comparison let's look at the sandlot 1993 movie and uh no you god dang idiot sand lot see this is this is what we do best here we do uh, on the fly and it's actually the same length jesus christ that's all weird but what sets this movie apart from like you know, something that is remembered like Sandlot is because, you know, I don't see much of anything being made of Little Giants other than the fact that I remember it. (laughs) And uh, when when you you think of it that way, it's because Sandlot deals with a coming-of-age story where all these kids get together and, you know, they learn to be friends. It's really what Sandlot's about. Little Giants is adults using kids as proxies to fight out their own problems. Uh, one is more memorable of a story than the other. Not faulting Little Giants for what it is, because, you know, if you have kids, it's one of those movies you're just going to put on for them. And, you know, I was a kid once and I enjoyed it as as much as I only probably watched the TV version of it, and TV versions, as you know, are cut down from the original version. Uh, but that that's why this movie doesn't stand, I guess, the true test of time. Because, you know, other than me remembering what, what, it, what it is, I've, I spoke to some friends, and they don't, they don't remember this movie at all. So either A, they didn't watch it, or B, it just... Uh, Proves to me that uh, 
there's certain things that make a movie last through through the you know the mire of of movies that there are out there the myriad of movies out there and uh you know this one this one this one i can't say does but i would would recommend it mostly cuz uh you know it's like a little nostalgia trip i it, it, there's like stuff i remember from the movie that uh you know very well, very vague since i guess it's been over 20 years but uh yeah go ahead go it's not on any streaming so parents if you're going to want to put this on you're going to have to rent it i'm sorry um but yeah there you go what i recommended yeah sure go ahead if you have kids perfect perfect recommendation for you if you have kids if you have kids that like football even better um but uh yeah little giants doesn't stand the test of time stands stands mostly as vague nostalgia but anyway uh as always if you have any comments or concerns go ahead and uh list those off over to video store wasteland at gmail.com i am brian and i thank you for joining me here in the wasteland mm-hmm.